Thanks for checking out Church on the Rock's message this week. We would love to help you take your next step in knowing God better. The best way to do that is visit cotr.org slash next steps. Or if you're not near our physical campus, visit our online community at cotr.org slash online. Enjoy the message and know that God is for you. I want to talk to you about how to receive a miracle. How to receive a miracle. A miracle is defined as a divine intervention that transcends the laws of nature. A miracle is a divine intervention that transcends the law of nature. How to receive a miracle. And everybody in this room, including myself, you either need one or you're going to need one. Every one of us, there'll be a time in our life where we need a miracle. You may not tonight, you may say, Pastor, everything's hunky-dory. You know what that means in the Hebrew? Great, right? You may say, everything's hunky-dory, Pastor. But you know what? There'll come a time in your life that you will need a miracle. And let me just tell you that, that if you and I are following God, and we are, you're going to need a miracle. If you're in the will of God, now really listen up tonight because I, I, I believe I have revelation tonight. I have 10 ways to get a miracle. Can you believe it? Wednesday night, 10 ways, right? On the weekend, it's usually three, but y'all can handle 10 on Wednesday night. But, but uh, if you're really following the Lord, you're going to need a miracle. If you're in the will of God, you're going to need a miracle from time to time because what you're doing, what you're called to do is bigger than you. You can't do it on your own. Am I right? You know, think about it now. Let me give you an illustration. The children of Israel, when God delivered them out of Egypt, how did he do it? With miracles. Remember the 10 plagues in Egypt? And then when they, when they were leaving Egypt, what did they come up to? The Red Sea, right? They were against the Red Sea. That looked impossible in the natural. They needed a miracle, and they were in the will of God. Needing a miracle, you're going to, if you're in the will of God, if you're trying to accomplish a God-given dream, a God-given goal. I think about this building as we're sitting here tonight. I think about all the miracles that happened. If hadn't have happened, you and I wouldn't be sitting here tonight 40 years later. You know, when we built this building, our church was only two years old. I went to several banks to try to get a loan. Uh, this building was a million and a half a million and a half back then. And we went to several banks to try to get a loan. Nobody would give us a loan. No bank would give us a loan. They said, you're too young of a church. You're only two years old, a few hundred people. You're not a part of a denomination. You don't have a track record. You're crazy. I went to three different banks, got turned down, all three. We needed a miracle. We needed a miracle. We needed, we couldn't do it. We felt well, we were in the will of God. I believe we were in the will of God. You're here tonight. That's proof of that. All the lives that have been changed for 40 years and our best days are ahead. But we needed a miracle. And you know what? God stepped in and he gave us a miracle. Out of nowhere, somebody said, call me up. Somebody called me up and said, Pastor Blunt, you don't know me, but uh, I'm in construction and I specialize in building churches for the Assemblies of God denomination. That's the denomination I came out of. And he said, we build home missions work, this and the other. We heard you wanted to build a building. We think we can help you. And they did. They got the financing for us. And you know today it's all paid for, right? 
So I just want you to be encouraged. You know, if you're in miracle land, you're right where God wants you. You and I can't do what we're called to do on our own without God. We need miracles. So how do you receive a miracle? How do you receive a miracle? I'm going to give you 10 ways tonight. Can we do this? Okay. Y'all pray for me. Okay. Yeah, come on. Okay. I'm going to come on. So number one, you have to believe in miracles. You say, isn't that a no-brainer? No, because there are denominations that tell you miracles went away with the New Testament, the book of Acts. They'll tell you that miracles aren't for today. So being in an atmosphere like Church on the Rock, for you and me, it's our culture. For you and me, it's a no-brainer. But for religious people, there are a lot of religious people that don't believe in miracles. They believe they passed away with the apostles. You have to believe in miracles. You've got to believe in miracles. And can we do the scripture right there, guys? I don't know if it's in the right order, but Mark 16, verses 15 through 20. Let's look at this. And he said unto them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Verse 16. And he that what? Believeth. He that believeth. Number one, for me to receive a miracle, I have to believe in miracles. I have to believe that my God is a God of miracles. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he did it in the Old Testament, he did it in the New Testament, he's doing it in our Testament. Amen. He that believeth and is baptized will be saved, but he that believeth not will be damned. Verse 17. And these signs, right there it is. Circle the word, mark the word signs. That's another word for miracles, signs and wonders. And these signs will follow those who are believers, not those who are white or black or brown or rich or poor or educated, non-educated, or Methodist or Baptist or Lutheran or Catholic, but those who believe in miracles, miracles will follow you. We don't chase them down, but they chase us down. So for me to receive a miracle, I have to position myself to believe in miracles. And the God that I serve is a miracle-working God. And for me to fulfill his purpose for my life, I will need miracles. I'll need divine intervention that will transcend the laws of nature. And these signs will follow them that believe. In my name, they'll cast out devils. They'll speak with new tongues. Next verse. And they'll take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They'll lay hands on the sick who believers, not just preachers, but those fivefold ministry, but believers. Hello, believer. Every member has a ministry. This is your ministry. And you lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. I like that, right? I like that. So we see that we have to believe. We have to believe in miracles. That's number one, okay? Luke 1.37, for with God, nothing is impossible. You can restore a marriage, a life, a ministry, a career, relationships, our health. With God, nothing is impossible. Somebody said you need to go to the dictionary and cut out the word impossible out of your vocabulary. So number one, what is it? You have to believe in miracles. Okay. Number two, you have to remember past miracles. Remembering past miracles. 
you know, just like, like I said earlier, you know, when we went through this of, of this uh, building program here and then we, uh, ex we did the gymnasium, you know, that was a million dollars and we paid cash for that. And then we did the wing and then we did the two floors and then we went across the street, bought up homes. Then we built a youth center. Remember our youth center, Stephen Starr? Youth center. Then we had a skate park. For all you skaters, we had our own skate park. And the, the progress just goes along, goes along, and then where you see the whole campus today. What helps me today in facing giants or when I need a miracle, I remember past miracles. And I said, God, if you did it then, you can do it now. And God's done miracles for every one of us in this room. Every one of you listen to me uh, on, on tape. God has done miracles in your life. I know he has, or you wouldn't be here tonight. And so remembering past miracles sets you up to receive a miracle. I love this. This is scripture is so awesome. It's 1 Chronicles 16, verse 8. 1 Chronicles 16, verse 8. Give thanks to the Lord and proclaim his greatness. Let the whole world know what he's done for you. Let the whole world know what he's done for you. Next page, guys, verse 9. Sing to him. Yes, sing him praise. Tell everybody about his wonderful deeds. Wonderful deeds would be miracles. Next verse, guys. Exalt in his holy name. Rejoice, you who worship the Lord. Next. Search for the Lord and for his strength. Continually seek him. Next. What's that word right there, y'all? There you go. Remembering past wonderful deeds. Remembering past wonderful miracles that he's done in your life. If he did it then, he can do it now for you. He can do it now for me. He's the God of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Remember the wonders. Wonders is a word for miracles. Remember the miracles he's performed and his miracles and the rulings he has given. So how do I receive a miracle? Number one, I have to believe in miracles. Number two, I have to remember the miracles he's done in my life. It'd be good to write them down, wouldn't it? List them in a journal, daily journal, when you think about it. Number three, every miracle begins with you. Every miracle begins with you. You and I have to initiate the miracle. It sounds a contradictory, doesn't it? But you and I have to initiate it because, see, God won't intervene in our life without us asking him. God won't intervene in our life. He's a gentleman. He won't release his power in your life unless you invite him. So every miracle begins with you, not God. Next slide, guys. Next slide. Number four, every miracle has your part and God's part. Every miracle has your part and God's part. Think about in the Bible. Remember the miracle of Naaman the leper? Naaman the leper. And remember, uh, he, came to, he came to the prophet to be healed. And the prophet said, you go dip in the River Jordan seven times, right? So he had to go do something. He had to do his part for God to do his part. Think about the widow. Remember the widow in 2 Kings chapter 4 that she was running out of food and supplies in her, in her house. She was going broke. 
She was poverty stricken. And the prophet came in. And what did he say? What do you have in your house? Every one of us tonight have something in our house that will ignite a miracle. What do you have in your house? And so what she have to do? Go get the pots. She had to do her part. And then what? God did his part of the miracle provision. Every miracle, you have a part to play, and God has a part to play. For me to have a miracle, I have to cooperate with God. Oh, I'm rushing through it, but I hope you're hearing the Holy Spirit through my voice. Every miracle has my part, and God has his part. When I do my part, then God does his part. When I do my part, then God does his part. Every miracle, God has a part to play. I have a part to play. So I have to partner. I have to cooperate with God to receive a miracle. How about in the New Testament? Remember the guy who was blind and Jesus spit in the ground and put spittle on his eyes? Then what Jesus say? Now you go to the pool of Salaam and wipe it off, right? So he had his part and Jesus had his part. Okay, so next slide, guys, next slide. Every miracle begins with a step of faith, not logic, not reasoning, but with a step of faith. Every miracle begins with a step of faith. That is so, you're going to have to, I'm going to have to step out in faith. Every miracle doesn't happen through logic or reasoning or wanting or needing. It starts with a step of faith. Every miracle doesn't start with a need or a want. It starts with a step of faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And we already started, number one, i got to believe in miracles. That's where it starts right there, right? Okay. Then number six, next. Next slide, guys. Every miracle begins with an act of obedience. Every miracle begins with an act of obedience. That's powerful. Every miracle. What would have happened? What would have happened if the blind man wouldn't have obeyed Christ and went to the pool of Salaam? What would have happened if Naaman wouldn't have went to the River Jordan? What would have happened if blind Bartimaeus wouldn't have thrown off his robe and cried out for Jesus and stepped forward? What would have happened if the lady with the issue of blood hadn't pressed through to touch him? Every miracle begins with an act of obedience. Obedience opens the doors to miracles. Disobedience closes the doors to miracles. Okay, next slide. Y'all with me on this? Number seven, expectation. Expectation is the atmosphere of miracles. Expectation, listen very carefully to this statement. When you finally, and I finally get into that state of expectation, that's in the final stage before your miracle. When you and I really, truly are in, in that stage of expectation, we're expecting something good to happen to us today. Miracles are coming towards you or passing you, or Robert said every day. When you and I get into that final stage of expectation, that's the final stage before you get your miracle. When Kim and I, you know, when we got out of college, we had to do an internship. And you had to do the summer, and you had to work in a church. And Kim and I worked in a church in Mason City, Iowa. Okay, this is 1978. We got paid $50 a week, $50 a week, and we lived in the home of one of the deacons. Okay, we were over the youth, over the outreach, over hospital. I had a coffee shop, 
and we got paid $50 a week. This was 1978. We had to do our internship. At the end of the summer, I told Kim all summer, and God, I give God all the glory. I told Kim all summer, before the end of the summer, we're going to have a place to go. I kept saying it all summer. Before the end of the summer, a youth pastor position is going to open for us. Before the end of the summer. And you know what? It was kind of like the gift of faith. You know, the working of miracles is one of the nine gifts of the Spirit, right? One of the nine gifts of the Spirit is the working of miracles. To get a miracle, you got to work. One of the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit is the working of miracles. That means I have to work for a miracle. I have my part. And that means there's a process. Working, there's a process for miracles. Uh, I have to work for the miracle. And, and so all summer long, I, I would say to Kim, don't worry, dear. We're going to have a place to go because we didn't know what we were going to do. We didn't have a position in any church. I kept saying all summer, don't worry, hon. We have a place. I see it. We have it. And in the end of the summer, the very week we were packing up to leave, we didn't know where we were going to go, back to our parents or what we were going to do. A pastor calls me. He says, I heard you were looking for a position. Stop by our church on the way on the way back, we did. They hired us on the spot. So expectation is, is the atmosphere for miracles. When you're into the, that's why we always say come to church with expectation. That's the final stage before your miracle. Expectation. Getting up every day, throughout the day. You know, you're miracle-minded. You're looking for it. You're expecting it. Okay, next, guys. Number eight. Every miracle begins with a question. Every miracle begins with a question. God, what do you want me to do? Wow. In every miracle in the Bible, they had to do something. They had to do something. In every miracle in the Bible, they had to do something. You remember in the book of Acts? You remember when, when Peter it came out of uh, prayer and the man was at the gate, beautiful, the lame man? And it said he was expecting you remember that story? Fake it till you make it. He was expecting, okay? And then, then Peter said to him, jump up on your feet. If you'll study every miracle in the Bible, they had to do something, an act of obedience, a step of faith. Every miracle begins with the question, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? What's my part in this miracle? What seed do you want me to sow? Uh, do you want me to pray and fast? Kim and I, our first church, an Assembly of God church in Moberly, Missouri. We were denominational pastors, okay? They tried to relocate, build a new building for years, couldn't get a loan, couldn't sell the building, couldn't make it happen. We're right out of college, right out of that youth pastor position. It's our first church. We're senior pastors, and, and the church was stuck and had been stuck forever. So I asked the Lord. I said, God, what do you want me to do? i got to move this thing. What do you want me to do? And I heard him say, Pray was on the inside. Pray and fast for three days. The third day, I'm walking into my office. My office was in the back of the church. Does anybody remember what a parsonage is? Okay, it was in the back of the church. My office, I remember going to my office. A real estate man came up. We didn't even have a for sale sign out because they had given up on selling it. A real estate man came up to me and said, I heard you wanted to sell the church. I said, yeah, we sold it in three days. But see, what did I have to do? I asked the Lord, so what is it that God wants you to do? Sow a seed? What does he want? Pray? Fast? There's something he wants you and I to do. So we have to ask him, you know, if you have a need, you've got to sow a seed. Right? So God, 
what do you want me to do? Go get some pots? Get the people to sit down? Put them in 50s? God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do to initiate this miracle that we're both going to work on together? The working of a miracle. Y'all with me, everybody? See, we're a number nine of ten. Okay, next slide, guys. Next slide. Nine. What's in my house? I've got to ask myself, what's in my house? What kind of a seed? Is it serving on serve day? I have seen business people in our church, their businesses turn around just coming and doing serve day here at Church on the Rock. Been here 40 years. I've seen their businesses turn around when they would just come and sow their craft, their skill, their gift, their business into the church. So what's in my house? What kind of a seed can I sow? Remember the widow lady, remember? The prophet said, what's in your house? Okay, Tommy Barnett has a famous sermon on what's in your house. All of us have something in our house that can initiate the miracle that you need. Sowing time, treasure, talent, kindness, something. There's a seed we can sow. There's something we can do to initiate the miracle. Number 10. And this is where I wanted to land. I got about 100 scriptures on this one, okay? okay? Every miracle has a strategy. Every victory, there's a strategy. Every victory doesn't just happen in Christianity. How about the walls of Jericho? There was a strategy, right? They had to go around so many times, and they had to shout, and they had to be quiet for, for so many days. Every victory in your Christian life requires a strategy. It doesn't just happen. It doesn't just fall in our lap. Every miracle, the working of miracles, every miracle has a strategy. I need to find out, God, what is that strategy? Next slide, guys. Going to give you two stories, and this is Luke 9, 12, the feeding of the thousands. Now, watch this. This is so good. Look for a strategy. And when the day began to wear away, then came the 12 and said to him, send the multitude away, Jesus, that they can go to town, get a Big Mac, lodge there at the Motel 6, and we're in a desert place. Next verse, verse 13. But he said to them, give, you, give them something to eat. And they said, we don't have any more than five loaves and two fishes except we should go and buy meat for all these people? Thousands. Verse 14. Look for a strategy now, everybody. And there were about 5,000 men. So if there were two in a family, that'd be 15,000, wife, children. And he said to his disciples, make them sit down. Look at the organization before the multiplication. Make them sit down in 50s in a company. Now, why did he do that? organization. And you know, if you go into a room with 50 people, you can, you can tell if they're chewing or not, if they've got food or not, if they've been fed or not. Secondly, notice he had them sit down. When Kim tells me to come to the table and sit down, I'm expecting. <laughs> but they're laughing at us, dear. They're laughing at us. When Kim tells me to come to the table to sit down, I'm expecting to eat. So you see expectation, expectation, organization, right? 
uh, care of the people, making sure all of them got fed, putting them in 50s, make sure that they don't all go crazy when the food's delivered, right? So notice, look at the strategy. There's a strategy. Jesus gave them a strategy before the miracle. All of this is before the multiplication. What is that? Obedience. They're obeying. What is that? They're working with him. What is that? A step of faith. Do you all see the 10 here? Okay. Next, next slide, guys. Next slide. And so they did so. Active obedience. And they made them all sit down. Sitting down represents expectation. They expected to get fed. Next, next slide, guys. Then he took the five loaves and the two fishes, and looking up to heaven, he blessed them, break it, gave to the disciples to set before the multitude. Notice that the disciples were working with Jesus. They had their part. He had his part. They were working together. You're going to see all ten principles in these two stories. So they had their part. They had to obey. They had to step out, and he had his part. But I want you to see something. And looking up, Jesus looking up, looking up. In the Greek, it says he looked twice. He looked twice. But what does that mean? He looked in the natural, and then he looked in the spiritual. He looked in the natural, and then he looked in the spiritual. Imagination, vision, calling things to be not as if they already were. Looking up to heaven, then he blessed it, then he break it, then he gave the disciples to set before the multitude. Notice, who set it before the, the multitude? The disciples, right? So Jesus and the disciples worked together for the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. Next slide, guys. Next slide. And they did eat and were all filled, and there was taken up fragments that remained them 12 baskets. Do you all see the principles there? You can go home and study. You'll see all the principles. There's got to be a strategy for a miracle. God has a strategy. God has a plan. God has a system. God has steps. It doesn't just happen. I remember years and years ago, basically years ago, it was in this building, okay, in this building. And Bob Harrison came, and, you know, Mr. Increase, and he came and he taught, and I'll never forget, he taught about spiritual tsunamis, spiritual tsunamis. In the business world, it's called the law of compound effect. You do something over and over again till you build momentum to break the dam down break the wall down. You get something, you keep doing it over and over enough so that you put enough pressure on your circumstances that your circumstances break. He called it a spiritual tsunami. In the business world, it's called the law of compound effect. And Bob said one time he needed a miracle, so for 30 days in a row, a financial miracle in one of his businesses. So he said, every day I gave a financial seed. Every day for 30 days. I thought, man, I never heard that before. That's really awesome. That's uncommon. I need an uncommon miracle, so I've got to do something uncommon. Did you hear what I just said? I need an extraordinary miracle. I need God to interfere in the law of nature, maybe physically, mentally, family, business, finances. So I got to do something uncommon. So I took that, and you know what? I did that. We needed a miracle in our church. I won't go into all of it financially. And we began to sow seeds as a church. And I did, Kim did, personally, as a family, for 30 days in a row. At the end of that 30 days, we got our breakthrough. 
Now, I'm not telling you to do that, but I'm simply using that as a story, as an illustration, a spiritual tsunami, the law of compound effect, a strategy for a victory, a strategy for a miracle. Y'all still with me, everybody? Okay, next slide, guys. One more story, John 2. This is the first miracle Jesus ever did, the first miracle, the law of the first. You're going to see these principles here again, 10 of them. And the third day, there was a marriage in Canaan of Galilee. Now, the marriage festivals lasted seven days. Okay, the custom was seven days. They're in the third day, and they're running out of wine. And the mother of Jesus was there. Next slide, verse 2. Both Jesus was called, and tradition says it was one of his relatives that was getting married. So it was family. Both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. Verse 3. Next slide. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said to them, they have no wine. Third day, custom, the marriage festival goes seven days. Next slide. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? My hour for miracles is not yet come. Next verse. Now, woman was a sign of respect. Watch this now. His mother said unto the servants, whatever he says unto you, do it. So notice, whatever he says, do it. Whatever he says, do it. That's an act of obedience. And how does faith come? by hearing what he says. You need to focus on what he has said. You need to find a promise for your need. You need to find a promise in the Bible for what you're facing. Find out what he said about your situation. And whatever he said, it's called then obedience. Faith without corresponding actions is dead. Do it. I need to know what the Bible says about miracles. I need to know what the Bible says about what I can believe for, for health, family, finances, job, career, ministry. Whatever he says, you do it. Now, notice that the servants had to participate and cooperate with Jesus. He had his part. They had their part. You all with me? You all see the 10 principles here? Okay. So whatever he says to you, you do it. So he's going to whisper to you when you ask him tonight, God, what do you want me to do? He's going to whisper something to you. I'm believing God for that. For the next seven days, from now until next Wednesday night, God's going to whisper to you the whisper of the Spirit, still small voice. He's going to whisper to you on the inside what to do. And once he does that, you want to do it. Act of obedience, partnering, cooperating, get the miracle working, the process going. So whatever he says, you do it. I need to know what he says. I know what the doctor told me. You've heard my testimony years ago when I had to go to the doctor, had a physical problem. He told me, great doctor, born again, spirit-filled, assemblies of God. And he told me, you're going to have to live with it. Surgery won't help you the rest of your life. I'm thankful for him, but it wasn't what he said. It's whatever Jesus said. Now, I don't know what the counselor told you. I don't know what the, the psychiatrist, the psychologist, the judge, your in-laws, your outlaws, your ex. I don't know what they've said to you, but you know what? It's really not what they say. It what does he say about your life? Come on, let's have a praise break.
And there were set, there's six water pots of stone. Now, these water pots, custom says, tradition says, held 30 gallons, 30 gallons each pot. So that's huge. After the manner, so a miracle takes work, working of miracles. After the manner, the purifying of the Jews, containing two or three firkins apiece, next verse, and Jesus said to them, fill the water pots, pots with water, and they, I have to participate, I have my part, right? I have to cooperate, and they filled them up to the brim. Next, as the team comes, and he said unto them, draw out now, bear, go to the governor of the feast, go to the governor of the feast, and they did it. They bear, they took it to the governor of the feast, one in charge. Next slide. When the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made into wine, wow, the law, you know, of, of transcending nature, you can't do this. We can't do this. When the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, he knew once it came, but the servants which drew the water knew, and the governor of the feast called the bridegroom, verse 10, and said to him, every man at the beginning of the seven days gives a good wine. When men have all got drunk, then at the last comes the worst. But you've kept the best. Your best days are ahead. Your latter days are your, be your best days until now. Oh, I love this. Next verse, next verse. And the beginning of the miracles. This is the beginning of the miracles that Jesus in Canaan of Galilee manifested his glory and his disciples believed on him. So, so what am I saying? Take away, take away is believe in miracles, these 10 things, but then find out what he says. Don't live your life on what other people tell you. What you can't do, can't have, can't go, never happen. Find out what he says. Meditate on that. Build your faith. Expect him to talk to you with a whisper, the voice of the Holy Spirit. Do what he says and work the process. And build up your expectation and get your miracle. What is your next step in your faith? Well, here at Church on the Rock, we would love to help you. Maybe it's to learn more about discovering what it means to belong to a church family, being part of a small group, or using your God-given gifts to serve others. Head over to cotr.org slash next steps where you can find out more to all of these. Or if you're a part of our online community, visit us at cotr.org slash online. Have a great week and don't forget that God is for you.